David, uh, favorite Batman villain? Ooh, okay. Um, my favorite Batman villain is, and this is gonna be a weird one, but Penguin, um, because I I, I love um the sort of misunderstood uh character. I think he's almost a sympathetic villain. Like he, he really is. Um, and he's just incredibly weird and interesting <laughs> because the question I always ask is, well, you know, is he a penguin? Is, is, yeah. is that guy a penguin? Or is, you know... <laughs> I don't think that's ever been explored in the Joey. comments, the possibility that he is a penguin. <laughs> they leave it unexplored. No, no, I know he's called the penguin, but is he just a penguin? <laughs> Here's the thing today, Stephen. Is Batman bad man? No, no, no. Is Batman a bad man? Yes, that's right. Is Batman a bad man? And who better to bring on to answer that question or help us answer that question than my friend Michael Spence, a man of the cloth? It's a question of morality today, so we brought a reverend. Excellent. Welcome to Here's the Thing, Michael. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm absolutely privileged to be here and uh, be uh joining the dynamic duo um well this is this is uh i was gonna well i was actually gonna say where this comes in our podcast kind of we haven't even decided this i think this well, is no, our second episode i think it will be because for those out there you're getting a, an insight into the magical world of podcast producing but essentially there's some in the can batman is, that what we call? is coming out mm. next week to us mm-hmm. yes that's yeah. right right now right now next friday we're getting a new Batman film. So I thought we're going to jump the gun with this one and we're going to release it when it's in the moment because we did not do this with our Friends episode yeah. whenever they did a Friends reunion and we could have released it. Oh but yeah, David, ride the algorithm. I just did not do that. <laughs> That's okay. So talking about the upcoming film release, mm. yeah. I believe, Mike, you want to talk about, you want to situate us in the Batverse, if that's the correct. <laughs> well, no, no it, it, that makes it sound very grand, David. I'm okay. just really interested. Like, what is your Batman? What is your go-to? Is it the animated series? Is it the is it the Nolan movies? I was is expecting it, you to ask the question. Is it comics? For me, it's Nolan. For me, it has to be Nolan. Like, I I feel like so. I I did watch the Schumacher Batman's growing up. Um, which are not the best work of Batman, which I don't think. Julie Schumacher, the Incredibly Camp ones. I don't know okay. if you've ever seen no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poison Ivy. All Mr. you had to Freeze. say was the Incredibly Camp ones. And Sorry, I yeah, okay. <laughs> so the Nolan uh, three films have sort of eclipsed everything now mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like he is my go-to Batman. Whenever I think about Batman, I, I see Batman begins. Are you, I, are you ready for Matt Reeves to blow that out of the water? I hope so. I hope so. We were talking about this before. Is that your expectation? I don't know. Like, okay. Nolan is strong. Yeah. I mean, Nolan. we were saying, we were like, how excited are we about this new Batman film? I don't know what my expectations are, but I'm excited for a new Batman. Yeah. I feel like what I don't want is for Warner Brothers to get caught in the, oh, well, this didn't quite work, so we'll 
will just keep reinventing Batman. You're so, you're scarred from Spider Man, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am, and I feel like I feel like I I wish Andrew Garfield had been given more of a chance. Oh, I feel oh. like he was actually the best part yeah. of yeah. Spider Man. No way, um, the best part was Andrew Garfield showing up. I feel like no, I feel like yeah, I feel like I mean, don't get me wrong, I have a he soft spot for Tobey Maguire, but they <laughs> they did like he his brand of goofy. Mm. Elevated that, mm. Stephen. Uh, what's your what's your what's my Batman? entry point in the Batman? I feel like it's the comics and the animated series. You know the animated series. Now I can't remember what its actual title is, and I should because I've watched many a documentary on it I since. Believe it's Batman, called the, the animated, animated series. series. <laughs> but is there? Does it not have? Is it just called that? Yeah, I think so. Well, there we go. Um, because there's many. There are a series of there Batman. Are many, I wanted to but, try and specify but, which like, one. But when you, say, you know the one that's yeah. all black? Yeah. That one? yeah. That's Whenever you say animated Batman, hopefully everyone thinks of that. Hopefully nobody yeah. thinks of the of the, um the Batman, which was kind of released after the uh the Nolan movies, was tied into kids, like very kids centric and had that. songs in it. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but don't, no, don't watch it. Just <laughs> and even whenever um, the animated series relaunches itself as, as New Adventures of Batman and Robin, is that the title? And they kind of redesign some of the characters. Some of the character redesign is interesting, but it just loses its charm. It oh, nearly sure. it nearly ditches the forties aesthetic, and it's yeah. it's so well, strong. It's pro- it's one of the best animated shows. It really there, is. Really, like, and you're right. It's the aesthetic that really. Oh my goodness! So if there's nothing else that you take from this podcast. Go and watch Batman the Animated Series. Do it. Do it now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. It is fantastic. It's but you're beautiful. you're a comics man, so what's the yeah. what's the comic? I couldn't tell you. So I was thinking as I saw that you have some books, mm. some comics here, and I was thinking, oh, what would I have brought or which ones could I have grabbed? And I feel like the killing joke mm-hmm. is the one that came to my head. Mm-hmm. Here's something that we need to discuss, though. This is the whole point, the whole crux of this. Yeah. Is Batman a bad man? And I think what, um, I don't want to preempt anything that Michael's going to say, but I think the central question to me is like, what does it say about generations and the uh, heroes we elevate? You know what I mean? So Batman, I would say one of the most relatable superheroes, Mm. Um, much more so than uh, Superman, for instance, state one from the DC world. you know, Superman is very otherworldly. He mm. literally comes from, you know, Krypton, which yeah. is like the unknown. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, I think that's literally what the Greek means. Krypton, like, like unknown. Whereas Batman is just a guy, you know, and, and, and he's so relatable because because he's so relatable. We can go, oh, well, he's like, you know, the quintessence of something. He is, he is genuinely good. That, that what he's doing is good um, because he's a hero. And his actions are heroic, right? So that's our superheroes heroic. Is Batman a bad man? Certainly, there are moral questions here. Mike, help us out. I, I'm just, a, I'm just a wee bit concerned that um, <laughs> that you relate so much to yeah, I was... this psychotic <laughs> character, yeah. and I wonder if. If the conversation tonight just needs to take a different turn. Like therapy? <laughs> we didn't want to tell you about your intervention. So um, we said we were going to talk about Batman. No, no, no. I, I, guess, I, I guess I should qualify that then. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, you know, Spider-Man, he, he got bit by a radioactive spider. Yeah. He, he kind of has to be Spider-Man. Yes. You know. Oh, so, does he? Is that not what the first... No, no, he, he kind of does. You know what I mean? Like he, oh, as it, it, hap- it happens to him. It happens okay. to him. Batman chooses 
to um, get involved in Gotham. Like he chooses to. He doesn't have to. He actually mm. doesn't. Um, now you could say the trauma that of his parents uh, yeah, dying well, is the inciting yeah. incident, and that that causes him to be. But it's still an active choice that he makes sure. on a regular basis. I would say that all superheroes have that active choice. They can all hang up their cape and go live their superpowered life in the backyard for the rest of their days. But when you're talking about relatability, like I didn't necessarily agree with the premise because Spider-Man to me was always the most relatable because yeah. he oh, was man. a teenager. He's designed. I was a teenager growing up. Sure. And, oh, he's going to school. I mean, you wanted to be bit by a radioactive spider. Of course. <laughs> and Sp- start- Spider-Man is the character who, in the comics, we are inside his thoughts yeah. pretty much all the time. Even in the, he's, in making, the he's cracking wise in the, the yellow box in yeah. the top corner. Sure. Yeah. Don't they all do that, though? No. Don't all superheroes do that we soliloquy thing? No, is that... No, that's, that's, a, that's really a Spider-Man thing. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, anyone who does that is really... Being Spider Man. <laughs> it's being Spider <laughs> yeah. oh, I hate it when my Batman does a Spider Man. <laughs> like, well, sometimes uh, it can be like the narrator. But know, I agree I with you about about the humanity of Batman and how he's mm. not Superman. I am not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a Superman fan at all. I could not care less about <laughs> Superman. But Batman, I find really compelling. Sure. As a character. Is yeah, that Superman's a bit boring superhero absolutely oh yes yes because yes. he's too perfect is that yeah. that's the problem because oh i and have one tried, weakness they've tried to make him relatable yeah. like smallville right. i think tried to make him all cutesy and, guy. yeah yeah and if you tried to play up the clark Kent relatable thing but it doesn't matter in no the so it's not that there's not good stuff going on in there but here here's what i think is relatable about batman um he doesn't have <laughs> no it, well it's it's partially that but it's partially, so he doesn't have superpowers, but what he does have, we we see him use what he has. So mm-hmm. um, Spider-Man, whenever Spider-Man solves a problem, mm-hmm. he's going to solve it in some way with his spider senses and his spider-like okay, reflexes, yeah, yeah. right? That's what he's going to solve it with. Batman, you know, if he's faced with the Riddler, it's a battle of intellect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If he's faced against Bane, it's, okay. a, it's a battle of physical conditioning. So if he's, you know, exactly. You have this if he's, you know, with poison ivy, I presume it's sexual attraction. I don't know. It's a battle but, of botany. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> battle of botany, yeah. or like, you know, I, you know, like lustful passions or whatever, because she's meant to be the one that seduces him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but that's those are all incredibly relatable. Who doesn't want to, you know? Uh, have a battle of wits who doesn't want to be in peak physical condition who doesn't sure. want to turn down Ivy's advances this is this is what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean he's uh, I don't or know have the opportunity to turn uh, yeah, yeah yeah you know what you understand what I'm saying he solves his issues that come up against him in ways which are really well I guess that's what I was trying to yeah. say and so there's a danger there if we find him so relatable that if we think of Batman as a hero if we start doing that and idealizing him, then actually maybe we're not thinking through the whole story in terms of, is he the hero? Mm. Is this the right way to go about ourselves? Sure. Should I be picking up the mask and getting my own vigilante justice? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Very good. He's <laughs> one of us that now. Was, that was natural. That was natural. <laughs> um, the idea of Batman as a vigilante, we we got we got to bring that home. We got to talk about where we are in our context in sure. Northern Ireland and the fact that vigilante justice mm-hmm. is a very real thing here. There are people who literally put on masks yeah. 
and go out and, and daylight their version of justice. Absolutely. And would love to think of themselves as Batman, <laughs> right? But we see what that looks like in real life. Sure. Mm. Do you know? And uh, it's not heroic. It's certainly not heroic, no. and it's certainly not. It's uh, even even with the kind of dramatic um, tensions and internal conflicts that Batman has, their motives are nowhere near as pure as as Bruce Wayne's motives. Um, well, is that all it is? Then is it a case of is it motives? Purity of motive. Yeah. Oh no! It it it's it's consequences, <laughs> it's results, right? And we we know what that's like to live with. So it only it could like it can only exist. That can only be good in the fantasy world of mm. films and comic books, because there's really not just Northern Ireland and, and anecdotes from here. There's really good historical record that vigilantism is not good for humanity. Yeah, I, 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 I totally see what you're saying. I, here's, here's where I feel like there's a real tension here is that Batman, um, Batman believes that Gotham's like systemic injustices are, he believes in Gotham, he believes it's correctable. So his brand of vigilantism is almost like in support of the system. Whereas sometimes mm. what we see is vigilantism as you know um replacement a replacement system yeah. yeah this is what this is what i'm saying like when when raz al ghul challenges batman and says like look how corrupt this these are the people you fight for and I, honestly that's quite a persuasive argument you know yeah. it's like surely we should just tear this all down and start again um but this this is why jim gordon's a really important character okay second most important character in in batman after for- batman after Alfred, <laughs> um, for this exact reason, um, <laughs> because he, you know, yep, you do the whole corrupt police thing, but here is here is someone who is who is good, who works for justice, who works within the system, who partners with Batman, and in some ways that makes Batman's vigilantism totally different than what vigilantism looks like in real life right. when he works when he works with. The police, and obviously they play with that a little bit, and sometimes the police are pursuing him, sometimes they're working against him. But ultimately, we know that Jim Gordon, who's the who's the true the true policeman, the pure policeman, is uh, is working with him. So it's pro, it's pro traditional justice yes. in that sense. Yeah, you know, and I think another another thing is it re- it really depends on what Batman you're talking about, what iteration mm. of Batman. Who's telling the story? Yeah. Um. And and what the themes are because sometimes you get, um. So for example, in in the trailer for the upcoming, um, Matt Reeves Batman, one of the key lines they're bringing out in the trailers, someone says, "Who are you?" and he says, "Vengeance." And they seem to make a lot of this, and <laughs> they, um, Catwoman and Penguin both seem to make fun of him and use that as like his nickname, um, <laughs> which is quite cute. I like that. Yeah. Um. Um. But he equally in a different version of batman when someone asks him who are you you could say justice yeah yes. do you know yeah. so it really it really depends what version of the character you're working with i gotta say vengeance batman is a lot more interesting than justice batman oh I yeah think. yeah i mean i think if you if you think of like the batman who joins the justice league right who's this just kind of mature 
kind of mm. law and order man yeah. who just kind of looks he's a bit... He's straight guy. Yeah, he looks a bit grimly and everything and he is no. the straight guy and he's not very interesting. No. So we like the Batman who's a bit conflicted about his motivations. Yeah, I, love, I like a Batman who screams you know, swear to me yeah. while he's uh, <laughs> yeah. punching someone in the face. I like, so we're, we've qualified, he's maybe not a vigilante in the mold of vigilantism as we understand it. Hmm. He's not necessarily taking the law into his own hands so much as he's taking the hand of the law mm. and working with them. It's, it's a it's a partnership. He's seeing himself in the, in the extension of that. Right. But, so there's, there's this really interesting thing there, though. He's still pro-violent resolution of certain conflicts. Yeah. So, um, Batman's methods. Why, why does, um, you know, a billionaire like Bruce Wayne uh, choose to uh, meet the, the issues of Gotham <laughs> on the street? Yeah. You know, he, he, surely he has the resources to go about this other ways. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That, that question is asked so many times. Right, like, okay. If Bruce Wayne is a billionaire, <laughs> yeah. you know, why doesn't he take all the money he spends on gadgets sure. and pump it into um, education and ending the causes of crime? Right, he's okay. trained in fists. <laughs> right? He's full of anger. He's but, like, all my money here. <laughs> but, th- but that's exactly the point. And it's a really good point. And actually, statistically, any like any studies that have ever been done about this in, the, in a long-term uh, economic view, you will save yourself a whole lot of money if you invest in things like ending deprivation, sure. um, things like education, mm. rather than prisons uh, and justice. Right. Now, obviously, you're still going to need those. Right. So if you're, but if you're able to take the long-term view and do that, you will, economically, it's better for you. Yeah. Um, because I suppose the perspective that we see in Batman is that, Crime's inevitable, right? Crime's got to be inevitable in Gotham, otherwise you've got no story. Sure. But I think, uh, so if you think of Selina Kyle's story in Batman Returns, Tim Burton's movie, or Arthur Fleck's sto- uh, story in, in Scott Silver's Joker, they are they are both absolutely held responsible, individually responsible for their actions, mm. but at the same time, both characters are presented as the inevitable, uh, the inevitable product of the city that they live in. Right. You know, mm. so Selena Kyle has to deal with her misogynistic boss and mm. her her kind of working situation. Um, and Arthur Fleck has got um, uh, so it's, it's the plight of someone with mental health challenges in yeah. an uncaring world. And yeah. the whole story is if if they individually made better choices, mm-hmm. sure, oh, someone else someone else still would have committed those crimes. They're an archetype. They, they are the inevitable result of a of a of a broken system. Right, okay. okay. And so people have rightly said, well, why doesn't Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. deal with the causes of crime? But of course he does. Right. There's the Wayne Foundation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? That's a thing. E- even <laughs> from the very beginning, from yeah. a very early detective comics, there's yeah. a frame where um, ni- 1940s Bruce with his fedora and his pipe says, <laughs> oh, I-, I'm go- I was going to build a gymnasium here for disadvantaged young people. You know, <laughs> sure. so right from the start, Right. Billion, billionaire. He's got his YMCA. Yeah, a billionaire Bruce is pumping money into ending deprivation because it's acknowledged that if you have deprivation, yeah. Yeah. there is an increased likelihood of crime because some, someone yes. someone will become desperate enough yes. to steal. Okay, I agree. Like Joe Chill in Crime Alley, right? right. Which is actually the birth of Batman himself. But not to, put, not to put too fine a point on it, 
um because i hear what you're saying so so the wayne foundation seems like an easy get out of this problem um i think i think what i would like to say is if i was if i was a billionaire i could give away a large proportion of my wealth and still be incredibly wealthy because that's a lot of resources yeah Mm -hmm. what i wouldn't necessarily do is spend the r&d money (laughs) on building a batmobile and then driving around and destroying infrastructure in a city but here's the thing here's the thing if the story is just the Wayne Foundation and the gymnasium Nobody for disadvantaged that's not a very good comic book. <laughs> they did not run okay. actually and no one bought it. No one bought it. So, <laughs> look so at all these programs. You've got, you've got Batman as... Um, you can look at Batman as almost representations of different theories of justice. Okay. Okay, and two in particular. Retributive justice, yes. which is about um, punishment. Punishment fits the crime. Um, it acts as a deterrent yes. both for uh, that individual repeating crime and for others sure. um, you know, example yeah exactly you've got restorative justice yeah. which is focusing on uh, rehabilitation sure. education and that's where the Wayne Foundation comes in that's... absolutely sure. and okay. those are those are not opposing poles it's not no. it's not a choice between one or the other it's two-pronged it's, approach it's, that it's, well there's m- multiple approaches in justice but ba- Batman sort of embodies two, both you know. yeah. so that's really interesting I wonder then again just to uh, take a slightly different tact um, he has these two-pronged approach one of them that you talked about um re- like retribution for crimes mm. and you said it's a deterrent yeah and the deterrent the batman he even talks about this in the in the dark Knight. you must become fear because mm. these these criminals they that's the only thing they understand so you you must frighten them mm. you must become that deterrent whenever they see that that bat signal in the sky mm. they're they're going to think twice about doing what they do i was bored in the dark right so i, I my question is like does that how can how can we talk about fear in a positive way like to become fear that sounds quite bad to me to Mm. become a symbol of fear like nobody like why do we find that heroic do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think we do find it heroic. I think we find it gothic and cool. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think whenever you see that played out in real life that is brutality. Sure. You know that is that in warfare and policing and, and so on around the world uh, and in and in I was going to call it leadership but let's not honor it by calling it leadership in dictatorship yeah that is the role of brutality yes is to strike fear into to remind people where they sit in the yeah. the hierarchy so again i think that's an element of batman that can only exist comfortably in the fantasy but world fear does exist in our system right in the sense that i might fear policemen when i see them in their do you? In their colors. Because they work really hard. And they like. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> you, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just me out here, but anytime I see a police car go by, I'm just a little bit on edge. You're wondering whether they're coming after you. <laughs> yeah. What have you I've done? I've done Steve? nothing wrong, <laughs> and yet somehow I'm thinking, what's going that, do that is so deep in our culture. Yes. That they're, oh, they're coming to get you. Yeah, and... it's just uh, there's something oppressive about the even their very presence. Really? I think so. No, I feel the opposite. I'm really You feel glad. safe? Yeah, I'm really glad that they're there. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, hold on a second. Let's just say that in Northern Ireland here, police can have multiple forms and that you've got your, your average police car 
in their police uniform. You've yeah. also got the, the massive yeah. vans yeah. and the people holding rifles. But here's the question: if if there's a if there's a a narrative that you should fear the police and that they're that they're brutal and they might get you, mm-hmm. who does that narrative serve? Well, not me. Does that no, does that narrative serve a safer society, or does that narrative potentially serve criminals? And well, it certainly doesn't serve the police. I've I've stumbled into this hole. I'm going to no, keep this going. Is good, yeah. But basically, I thought it did serve the police in that it is that deterrent in some ways. In that, like the police are driving on the roads, yes. right? I'm driving on the road. I see a police car. I'm thinking, right. Better be on my best behavior here as I drive this car. Better start indicating. Stay to the speed limit. You weren't indicating before. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I like to just go into the outer lane. <laughs> see, you know. like, I find that really baffling. I even find it baffling when you see stuff on social media being like, warning, oh, they're at this corner again, watch out. <laughs> Um. Oh, there's so. Oh, there's such a nuisance trying to catch us breaking the law. Well, then don't break the law. Like the laws aren't there so that they can catch you. The laws are there to keep people. Safe. Some laws I'm not aware of broken. Like my tail light being out. Yeah. Didn't know it was out. I believe they give you a warning though. I don't think they prosecute you there on end. That's true. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But listen, when they pull me over, I have no idea what they told me. <laughs> but I think I think this is really interesting because I mean it would be fair to say that um, there are um, people who would view, you know, the police as an oppressive force. Mm. Um, but certainly, I think it's not, you know, it's, it's not uh, something that's um, of their doing. It's, right. it's, a, it's a perception issue. Right. Do you know what I mean? Now, in, in, yeah. certain issue, in certain areas... Yeah. Like you only need to look at um you know what what happened in America sure um and the riots involved around um police brutality yeah um to realize that policing systems around the world sometimes do operate on fear exactly. mm. do you know what I mean they do operate a a, a culture of fear um, and that, that's really important to acknowledge actually mm-hmm. but to say that when we were talking about a speed a speed trap even that terminology is difficult but. The trapping me. There's a, yeah. There's a difference between something that gently reminds you yeah. that there are consequences for your actions, mm-hmm. and that there is a force that will hold you accountable. Sure. It hopefully in a really reasonable way. Mm. I say that as someone who's been on a speed awareness course, right? <laughs> um, totally reasonable that I should be held accountable for potentially dangerous yeah. actions. Sure. Okay. That's different from fear. Yeah. And what you're talking about where people do really experience brutality is fear and that's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I feel I feel like fear is what was uh trying to be engendered by like vigilante groups. And the whole idea is that we we brought about police systems to try and get away from that. We're policed by yeah. consent. Yeah. We say yeah. okay. Come and place and, us. <laughs> and if you look at what's happened post George Floyd, yeah, you can see that a police force that becomes known for brutality, rightly or wrongly, um, people people argue that different ways, right? Yeah. But regardless of that, if they become known for that, if they become known for using fear as a tactic, that does not lend itself to an environment of law and order. Sure. So that is why 
Batman's fear-based vigilantism can only work in the fantasy world. And actually, even within the fantasy world, he then debates, does it work or does yeah, it not work? Absolutely. At the end of Batman Begins, you have that um, that conversation about escalation. Yeah, that very much grounds it in the real world where he said, you know, when I think of escalation, and I, you know, I'm a theologian. You mentioned that I'm a minister, and one, yes. one of the key themes in in scriptural story is the is the escalation of violence from you know Cain and Abel one murder, and then how that really quickly multiplies oh, sure. into people taking revenge, yeah. um, se- uh, you know, seventy times. Um, uh, I'll be avenged seventy times. And um, when I try to think of an illustration for that, I think of two things. I think of that scene between Batman and Jim Gordon at the end of Batman Begins, which is, aren't you worried about escalation? Mm. You know, and we get we get these weapons, and the the, the, get, the criminals get these weapons. The other thing I think of is Itchy and Scratchy <laughs> when they have their Mexican standoff and they keep pulling out bigger guns <laughs> until the guns are so big that they blow up the world. Sure. You know, uh, and that that is. Where does where does escalation end? Does yeah. it end with nuclear holocaust? You know, sure. um. So so yeah, Batman does debate that. Is this fear thing gonna work, or is this gonna make things worse? And Batman does. Yeah. So he does sort of try to approach justice or vengeance or whatever. He's out to get in different ways, right? In the sense that it's not just his two pronged approach, but he's also looking at characters like Harvey Dent. He's also working with Commissioner Gordon. He's you know, trying to get into those other modes of justice. He's not, this is the way and I will do it that way. So. And there's a really key scene early on in Batman Begins whenever he's still, he's still young Bruce, he still has his long hair, <laughs> you know, and he, do you remember he goes to the hearing, Joe Chill's parole hearing, Joe yeah. Chill who killed his parents and he has this revolver and actually Joe Chill gets killed by Carman Falcone's gang. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but he he feels he really wants to tell Rachel that he was about to do this, and he shoots mm. her the gun, and um, she hilariously slaps him. Um, <laughs> but then um, there's a they have a really interesting conversation where about revenge and justice, and he says sometimes they're the same thing, mm-hmm. and she says no 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 justice is about harmony, yeah. revenge is just about you making yourself feel better. Wow, that's, um, yeah, that's good. Uh, and then you're you're back to those theories of justice again, retributive justice. If it works as a deterrent, well, great. But actually, is one thing to punish people is something like the death penalty, for example. Yeah, does that actually help, or is right. that more about you trying to make it feel like you've had your revenge, an eye for an eye? But actually, that doesn't improve the world at large. Yeah, potentially. Absolutely. Whereas restorative justice, finding people a place in society rebuilding their personality, working to try and heal as much as possible whatever was broken in them that led them to commit the crime in the first place. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like we're zeroing in on it. I feel like we're gonna say actually Batman is a good man. But but I want to I wanna just come back to one of the things and I, I don't know whether you can speak to this Mike is Batman's hope for a better system. And you mentioned Harvey Dent, Stephen. Hmm. I feel like Batman is always wishing the system was better. Yeah. He he wants the restorative justice to leave his culture of fear behind so that Batman he wants to make himself unnecessary. Yeah. Which is probably what's so nice about him. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like we, we, we kind of like we we're cheering him on because he wants a world where he doesn't have to do this. Batman sees himself as seasonal, even though <laughs> as a, as a comic book character. 
he is not seasonal <laughs> right. at all. But in the world, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, in the world of the films, there's a yearning for you know one day. I think he even has a conversation with Rachel about it. He says, you know, one day I'll not have to do this. Mm. You know, like I, I don't, I will not always be this way. And yet, there, you know, the Joker is like, right, okay, well, I'm going to show you that that uh, panacea, that perfect world that you're trying to search for, where justice is always uh rot through the system mm. that's that that we can't get to there yeah um you know and, and maybe not to get too theological not this side of eternity mm. you know like mm. that there's always going to be flaws yeah in the system and two-face is actually the perfect exactly. picture of that two-face is the perfect answer to your question okay. is batman a bad man yes undoubtedly is he a good man also, also yes. Depends which side of the coin you're looking at. You know, uh, from a from a, a theological perspective, there is that idea of original sin, but before that, there is original goodness. Yeah. You know, and um, in the, another sort of interesting aspect is that in in that story I talked about a moment ago, and the, the kind of escalation, the multiplication of violence on the earth, the biblical authors tie in with that the development of the city. So Cain kills his brother Abel, and then the first thing he does is builds a city. Right. And then uh, there's there's some more cities being built, and they're being built. Uh, and uh, we hear, oh, you know, this is when kind of arts was developed. This was when metalworking was developed. So all that good, productive mm. human stuff um, that was the plan from the beginning, but that goes hand in hand with murder, right? <laughs> like with the development of slavery right you know and a lot of the scriptures are written from captivity in babylon this mm. this city this huge economic capital with literal skyscrapers like people had never seen the biggest city in the world sure. um and so of course those people told these stories about cities being places of yeah incredible beauty incredible productivity uh, incredible human endeavor but only on the backs of slavery yeah. you know yeah um and so that kind of light and dark motif of, of the city uh, is very much evident in Gotham and cuts right through the character of Batman as well. Yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, you're saying it, Gotham is biblical as a city? Absolutely. Gotham <laughs> is Babylon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think and it's, that's made explicit a couple of times, actually, uh, oh. in a couple of comics, the Contagion series. Okay. So Contagion series is topically um, about... Um, a killer virus okay. <laughs> that yeah. comes. Yeah. Uh, That's to very Gotham. topical. <laughs> uh, and the rich and powerful shut themselves away in their, in their, um, their luxury yeah. accommodation, uh, called, which they call Babylon Towers. Oh, right. um, very appropriately. And then, um, Anton first designs for Gotham that we see in Tim Burton's movies, mm-hmm. uh, are based on Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Your yeah. Metropolis. Oh, that's, a, that's another podcast for another day. But uh, it, incredible, iconic film, German expressionist film, um, which is all about those theme, the themes of, of Babylon and, and the city and how the rich can live in their beautiful, lavish gardens. Right. But only because there's this underclass who are working away. And that that's Gotham. And that's yeah. in Nolan's Gotham, especially. Yeah, yeah. You, right. you know, in, in both Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises, the bookends, you have the, the League of Shadows, the Al Ghul family visiting 
decadent parties sure. that are all lit with this kind of golden light. Mm. Yeah. And then that's juxtaposed to the slums of the Narrows. Yeah. yeah. You know? So what I love about that is that tension in the city um, of the, the, the corruption and, and you know, the, but the inherent industry in the city, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it is in Gotham. You see, you know, the, the railway, which the Wayne family built, um, but you also see the corruption and, 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 and how people are exploited. Um, what's beautiful about that, and I think this is where we get to the conflict in Batman, Ra's al Ghul crashes his party and he is there not being himself because Batman is the true character. You know, Bruce Wayne is the mask. That's one of the weird things about Batman. Mm. So he's pretending to be yeah. Bruce Wayne in that. And as part of that pretense, he gives this scathing critique of the well-heeled and rich people. And he says, you know, you guys, you're, you're phonies, you're fakes. Mm. So it comes across like a critique. I'm sure he feels that. I'm sure Batman agrees with everything he's saying, but he's doing it to protect them as well. Mm. He's doing it to clear them out of the room because there's a threat. So there's the tension right yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? It's both... Uh, criticism and protection of this city that is both he finds both uh wonderfully productive but also you know in, incredibly yes. corrupt N- nolan's batman plays those themes really well and i'm really interested i'll be really interested to see what matt reeves batman does because they um in uh, so in nolan's batman the wayans are angels right you know they are they are good people and and Rachel says you know there's no one like your parents anymore there's no one doing the good mm-hmm. that's in the world anymore, um but uh, it seems like Matt Reeves Batman is going to dig into a darker side to Bruce Wayne's history and the comic books have done this the comic oh, yeah. books have done um I don't I don't think with I don't think with Thomas and Martha Wayne. Bruce's parents, but I think with earlier generations, there's certainly been things about sinister influences or um, even like occult involvement in the physical foundations of the city and all this kind of stuff. So I think they, it seems like they're going to play with that and that Paul Dano's Riddler is going to reveal something to Bruce about his family. Okay. And you see, you, there's a bit in the trailer where you see him saying that uh, Andy Circus is Gollum slash Alfred. Um, <laughs> oh, you you know you lied all these years. You lied to me. Yeah. You know, so it seems like Riddler is going to reveal something about Bruce's past that Bruce doesn't know, and and that plays into this this theme as well. Actually, that he's he's part of the city. He's as yeah. corrupt right. as he's they not are. Separate from it. And if you undermine yes. his foundations, then maybe you can bring him out of And this is a key moral thing, right? So often when people realize that the system is corrupt, often when people realize that you, uh, if you drive a car, okay, you're part of a corrupt system. If you have a mobile phone, yeah, part of that was mined by slaves. Sure, cold time. Yeah, yeah. If, oh, if, okay. if you bank anywhere except co-op, you are investing in oh, okay. weapons yeah. that contravene the Geneva Convention. Do you know all the, so when people realize these things, sometimes people get freaked out. Sometimes mm-hmm. two two things can happen. People either get kind of overwhelmed by it and yeah. they're like, "Well, 
there's no there's no point us trying to do good. It's paralysis, paralysis, right? You know, I can buy fair trade, but that's about it. And actually, I'm still I'm still part of this corrupt system, so I'll just stop trying. I'll, yeah. You know, I'll not bother buying fair trade anymore. Yeah. You know, or or looking at where my bananas come from or whatever. So they just they just stop. They give up. You can't possibly be good. The another thing that can happen is that people try to remove themselves from the system, and people try and go off grid. Right. But of course, you're never really off grid. <laughs> you know, people who are off grid can afford to be off grid yeah, because yeah. of their connections with the corrupt Within, system, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what we see. Um, that's what we see Batman, that's what we see Bruce doing at the beginning of Batman Begins. He goes on his pilgrimage. Right. And that's, that's when he gets trained by, by Liam Neeson, right? Mm. But then he returns, he comes back mm. because he realizes that he's part of city. the city. Yeah. Um, and actually he cares about the city he actually sees that it can be rescued um, or even if it can't the best he can do is to do that little bit Yeah. and the key moment then in, in, in again the book ends in Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises League of Shadows give him the, give him the choice and say here's the, here's the red button <laughs> why not flood the earth you know why not yeah. why not wipe out yeah. the corruption of gotham the city that killed your parents has caused you so much pain here here's the button do it Let's and he said and he says no hmm. he says no because um even even if he can never fix it even if it, even if he realizes he's not going to be seasonal the best thing he can do is still to try right he's still a man of hope in the end, and he's you know, moving towards. Yeah. He's striving towards that better system. So you you might be you might be irrevocably bought into a really evil system, but you should still try and buy fair trade right. coffee. No, <laughs> absolutely, you know. So what I'm hearing you say is that Batman isn't a bad man because he's hopeful. He has this sort of undying hope mm. of a better way to work. He's gonna keep persevering even in the face of all these things and does that mean that the joker is the antithesis of that is he mm. despairs is he like yeah because yeah. he's always not, dragging him down right? we've not talked about the joker yeah and i think you're right because if you think about all that all that corruption that we just talked about and mm. in gotham it's really magnified is it really elevated there's yeah. crime everywhere and corruption at every level it would be really easy just to despair definitely <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, like we talked about, you get paralysis and say, well, there's nothing I can do. Exactly. So I'm just going to do what feels good to me or what suits me. Okay. Which is um, very relatable. It is. Absolutely. It's natural. Yeah. It's, Almost. It's what makes the Joker seductive. Right. right. It's what makes the Joker relatable. What makes the Joker yeah. relatable is his purple clothes. <laughs> um, and we all wanted to buy so, those. After so that. Batman doesn't, Batman doesn't give in the despair. It gives him the anger. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the, in some ways, the embodiment mm. of anger and, 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 revenge uh revenge fantasies but there's things like he doesn't use a gun yeah apart from frank Ma- frank miller's dark Knight returns he, do- <laughs> he doesn't kill people yeah. because so, he doesn't use guns those are tied together so, yeah. tied. so he so he has he's, he's placed some kind of safety nets mm. for himself so as he doesn't become the this is the the whole Nietzsche thing you know you stare into the abyss and the abyss stares into you right. those who fight monsters must be careful Mm-hmm. They do not become one. Yeah. Um. So he's built that in. Yeah. But Joker is a really interesting juxtaposition because he he has totally given in the despair. Yeah. Whether you take the 
say the Heath Ledger version or the very very different Joaquin Phoenix version they're both characters who have who have in some ways just embraced the chaos that you know what I give up sure the only the only response to this world is madness right. <laughs> Do you to know? laugh and I and 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 destructive hatred right in some ways that is the answer that makes more sense. <laughs> Do you know? okay. Joker's response makes a whole lot more sense yeah, yeah. than Batman's, unless, unless you have some kind of hope. Right. And I think, I think just to just to bring this to a close, that that is what defines Batman as not a bad man, <laughs> but as a good man, because he has no reason for that hope, Michael. Like he, like you said. You, yeah, you're right. Joker, no reason at all. Joker makes more sense and how many of us went through what bruce wayne went through and saw his parents murdered in front of him would give in immediately to the joker's viewpoint which is um you know fatalism and i I can't help i can't do anything this world is uh continually dark but he believes the dark knight believes in the light he believes yeah. in a in a in a brighter tomorrow he, he seemingly in spite of the evidence he chooses <laughs> to believe in in the goodness of people yeah. and he chooses to believe that gotham can be a good place and a good a good world there are two different responses right like the joker is one response to the world and batman is another response and it's just which response are you going to take is what they're... Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a, that's a challenge to everybody. That's a challenge to you listening at home. Um, <laughs> well, jo- jo- Joker is arguably more, the more realistic response. Yeah. Yes. But... Not necessarily one you want to advocate for. In, well, no, because in the end, the choice is whether you're going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Batman chooses to be part of the solution. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. E- e- even if... Even if Gotham will never change. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You say part of the solution, but does the solution ever come? Do we ever see uh, Gotham restored? Well, no, because then then you can't make any more comics. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and this is an economic industry. And then Batman went to the next city. Okay, I suppose my um, that's, that's us. Um, I, I, I wanted to finish with um, some sort of like quick fire, just, you know, let's that's, that's hear, your, hear your answers. So... At best and worst Batman media. Like, so what was the best film? What was the worst film? Best. Well, I go first. Yeah, Batman that's fine. media. Yeah. I feel like I just love The Dark Knight. The best is The Dark Knight. Okay. Yeah. Even though it's, it's it's got the most boring Gotham. Sure. But it's got the most boring Gotham because they're putting Joker into the middle of it. So they need yeah. to juxtapose him with a really realistic world. Um, it's a, it's every beat of that movie is perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I, f- I feel like <laughs> Nolan got away with, you know, they were like, oh, let's make a superhero movie. He's like, no, I'm going to make a, a, a feature-length morality play. For me, that that trilogy in general is like the only one that I think unites both people that don't like superheroes and people that do into like, oh, this was a good film series. Yeah. Because even people I know who don't appreciate superhero films and don't really get it or they're not into it, they can still watch that trilogy and be like, those were great films. Universally loved. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for coming on. Here's the thing, Mike. God.